Sports Hub. Sounds like fact, not opinion to me. This uh, uh, uh. is Gasper and Murray on Boston's home for sports. 98.5, the Sports Hub. This should be interesting going forward. I was warned beforehand on the show started an hour ago that we were having some technical difficulties on the producer side of things. Poor B-Rob, who's with us, thankfully, as usual. Brian Rob covering the Celtics for Mass Live, said, uh, yeah, there's times where things might not play. It might drop out, so you might have to be put on the spot during a commercial break. Great. I thought we were past these problems, but... Be that as it may, I guess we're still trying to work out some of the kinks here in the brand new Town Fair Tire Studios here in Waltham. Uh, so last night, if you weren't paying attention, uh, Celtics played a, a pretty entertaining uh, preseason game again against the Raptors. Another game that goes into overtime again against this very team. Jason Tatum ejected in a preseason game. He's in midseason form. Yeah. For uh, complaining to the officials. Right. <laughs> ejected after playing 29 minutes. Uh, seemed like a bit of a soft ejection as well. Marcus Marcus Smart, for some reason, playing well into the game uh, as uh, Joe Mazzula playing uh, some of his players like Marcus Smart, like well into this when you would think they'd be on the bench trying to rest them. Like, he's treating this thing like it was a regular season game, yeah, like a he playoff said, game. He said that before the game. He said, he said as a tune-up he was going to treat it like a regular season game. Yeah, regular rotation for most of the guys, Brown, Tatum, Horford, White, Smart. Um, you know, again, entertaining, but... Uh, you know, I question that. Like, what was the? I know you got want to get these guys tuned up. You also, I mean, Marcus Smart also kind of pulled up a little bit lame in this game, late, and so I question Joe Mazzulla's. I don't know why he would want to do that. Like, you, you know, your your opener's coming up here on Tuesday against the Seventy Sixers. Why this approach? Did you question this the way I did? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's interesting. I think the Celtics still have that burning fire from losing the NBA Finals in June, which is great. But my concern about them this at this point is that they might peak too early. You know, I know they want to get off to a good start because they remember what happened last year. They know that it made their road harder. They understand rightfully. So they had to expend so much energy just to get where they needed to go and to get to the NBA finals. And they sort of ran out of gas at the end. They don't want to put themselves in that position again, but you also can't be like shooting all your shots in September, October, November, December. You know, you, you, you have to make sure you sort of pace things. And just watching a little bit of this game and reading some of the accounts of the game. So it's up in Montreal. It sounded like they were having some condensation issues. Guys were slipping on the floor. Grant Williams blew a tire. He completely blew out his shoe. Zion Williamson at Duke style. So, yeah, I do sort of question Joe Missoula, you know, playing these guys, particularly after you see that the playing conditions up in Montreal were not really ideal for an NBA game. At that point, I think you have to sort of go into protection mode. And, 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 again, I don't understand why... No exhibition or preseason contest in any sport ever should go into overtime. No, it's it's, it's happened twice. It's so stupid. It's dumb. That's it. I mean, or come up with something. Have them play horse. I don't know. I don't care. But it it should not go into overtime. Now, again, preseason, so take this with a grain of salt. I I think they're worth talking about because, again, the season starts on Tuesday against the 76ers. I think they're the one one team you can look at in town and say, okay, I mean, there's real – championship aspirations Absolutely. there like they should be i think you know real deep again probably back in the finals um you know there's still there's still some teams that maybe ahead of them like a healthy milwaukee i would still probably be number one in the east but either way 
if you have paid attention at all, even last night's game, it looks to me like Derek White's shot is a little bit better. Yes. And in four preseason games, like the numbers kind of back this up, 18 of 29 from the field at 62%. Three-point shot's been great, 10 of 18 for uh, just over 55%. And at the free throw line, shooting just under 86%. Like, it feels to me like maybe Derek White's worked on his game a little bit here in this offseason. Yeah, yeah, and you, you read some of the stuff, and it sounds like it's also just sort of being more comfortable and being ready to shoot. You know, I thought there were times last year, there were definitely times last year, I remember writing about this, that it wasn't about him missing the shots. It was about him being hesitant to take the shots. It was totally a confidence issue. Yeah, there were times, like, offensively, it felt like they were playing four on five because he just wouldn't shoot. So it's good to see him taking the shots. It's good to see him making the shots. B-Rob can talk about this more. But, I mean, it seems like Derek White's going to be in the starting lineup to to start the season with Robert Williams out, and that's the way that they're going to go. It is, and it's kind of surprising to be perfectly honest, when you look at just how many rebounding issues they had last night and when you're facing a team like Philly out of the gate when you have Embiid down there who's going to be an absolute beast on the boards, to not have, you know, you're going to have to rely on Al Horford a lot to deal with that for the grind in and out here for the next 30, 40 games with Rob Williams out if you're going to play small. They have the strength there. It's nice to have Derek White shooting well and maybe fitting into that group, but I don't know, guys, I... I, I kind of lean towards wanting to protect Al Horford a little bit and maybe get him some help in that starting lineup as, as far as bigs go. So so what would your starting line? Would you sub Grant Williams in, or what would your lineup be with uh, Time Lord out? Yeah, probably Grant, or see if one of these other bigs can give you 10, 15 minutes a night just to start each half, and that's and that way you can, you know, Horford doesn't have to guard the center in the other team. It's I'm, I'm kind of surprised since Horford, throughout his career, has really wanted to play power forward more than center because I think of the grind of it is guarding big guys, and now they're going to be asking him to do that for 30 minutes a night for the whole year. That's a, that's a pretty big ask. What do you, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, B-Rob, so that being the case, and now that we know that the Time Lord injury is really a longer-term injury, do you – obviously the Celtics probably can you know try this out for 20 games or so in terms of seeing how it goes, and then obviously I know there's a certain point, when is it in December, that guys that signed this last offseason become eligible to be traded. But do you see them maybe before the new year making some sort of trade for a big just to give Al a little bit more cushion and protection? I think it all depends on what the other guys give him off the bench. And my guess is none of these guys, whether it's Cornette or Vonley, like they could give you a few minutes here or there, but there's no one you're going to trust really for the postseason. So... I'm with you, Chris. Ultimately, when you get to December and January, I think that is priority number one, making the trade for the big man. So you have some insurance if Rob Williams gets hurts again, and you have another guy you can play in a postseason series without being exposed. And so you have Gallinari's contract. You have potentially Payne Pritchard, who I was surprised. Like, he only played, he didn't get in the game until the fourth quarter last night, period. So I wonder if he's going to be trade bait too down the line. So what are we looking at Tuesday night, though? So it feels like they're a little bit dinged up, especially after last night. I know Malcolm Brogdon was held out of that second half because he's dealing with leg soreness. The murder cornet has been cleared but didn't play. It was a healthy scratch last night. We all obviously know about the Robert Williams thing. Probably won't see him until, well, Jimmy Stewart believes, Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, <laughs> But, you know, are they, are they going into this game beat up on Tuesday night for the opener? I think a little bit. I mean, I just don't know what you have against Embiid beyond Horford. And you don't want to run him into the ground. So if you're beat up in the front court, Grant Williams can't really guard Embiid. He's six foot five versus a seven footer here. So you're really it's gonna be kind of a smoke and mirror situation. And maybe Joe Mazzullo thinks, hey, we can go smaller and we can just run and gun teams like Philly that have bigger guys that can brutalize you down low. But 
I think it's going to be a pretty tough task out of the gate. Or you start there, you got Miami on Friday, you have to deal with Bam out of bio there. So they're really going to be testing the front court out of the gate here. And we're going to find out if what these guys have, what Blake Griffin has coming off the bench here, since he seems to be in the rotation early. And I'm, I'm kind of curious how they manage the situation. You think it's going to be bumpy for them? For like the first few months? I think it could be. I, I, the schedule is pretty soft out of the gate, Jim. I think the first 10 or 15 games, it's okay. But then if you look at December, it's an absolute bear. They have like a seven game road trip at one point that goes from Toronto to Brooklyn to LA and golden state. So if Rob Williams is not back by that point, if, if, if he's still waiting on that, and if, and if anyone else gets hurt in the starting five, whether it's Horford or either of the Jays, like I think it could get really tough at that, at, at that point. Chris, you think the expectations were a little out of whack? I don't think they're out of whack, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they respond to them because the last time the Celtics were in this position to me was the 1819 season. And that was an abject disaster. Yeah, and right. it's easy to write it all off on Kyrie and it might even be accurate, but I do think that this is a team and a core that does its best work when they're doubted, dis dismissed when, when they're in the role of favorites. And we saw this a little bit in the playoffs last year, you know, when they're sort of, in that role of being the leader and the expectations change to them winning, they don't always handle that as well. As I think, as I said last year, they have like a prosperity problem. You know, they, they just don't handle it as well. They're much better trying to prove people wrong than trying to prove people right. And so part of that for me is maturity. And are they as a group able to be mature enough to handle the weight of these expectations and to handle the fact that now instead of having a chip on your shoulder to prove people wrong, you have the weight of expectations of proving people right on your shoulder. All right, you want to uh, talk any Celtics as the season starts up on Tuesday night? You can join us, 617-779-0985. Back with your calls next. Chris Gasper, Big Jim Murray, 98.5, the Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. This is Chris Gasper. I'm not the one who's red-faced and ranting, so who's the baby? And Big Jim Murray. Takes in your face, sports. Gasper and Murray. On Boston's home for sports. 98.5, the Sports Hub. Gasper Murray, 98.5, a sports hub. You know, he's had Twitter up when we're doing the shows, just in case there's any breaking news. Got to have it up. And plus, we're still waiting to see whether or not Mac Jones has actually traveled with the team. I know uh, Bert Breer, MMQB, said yesterday that uh, New England's decision could come tomorrow. Again, he tweeted this yesterday with the team's call on whether or not to travel him. And on that, just as an aside, I mean, if he's not going to play, you can't. If he is going to travel with them, it's uh, it's hoodies and sweats. Like, you can't have him dressed. I think that would be bad optics. If you're dressed in your, you know, totally. your actual football uniform, you should be playing, dude. Like, he, there's been better mobility there. But still waiting on that. But, anyway, the reason I bring this up is uh, our own Sarge. Does he work anywhere here anymore? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, but it's been a min- minute since I've seen him. He's out in Cleveland 
uh, for this uh, this weekend. And I uh, have been doing these little travel guides for the Patriots uh, road yes, trips on 985thesportsup.com. Thank you. And this is one, this was an underrated one, I thought, for Pats fans. If you were going out to Cleveland this weekend, because you know what you get to do? Uh, and you and I have talked about this before. The good thing you get to do if you go on these, any of these Pats road trips is you try to fold in another sporting event the day before. And uh, I don't know if Sarge is doing this. I see he's outside of the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse where the Cavs play. But tonight, it's the first home game in the series between Cleveland and New York for the Yankees. Go support the fight in Franconas. Go to this game tonight. Great idea. And then you go to the Pats game tomorrow. That's a good weekend right there. That's not bad. And this one's probably relatively cheap, I would think, too. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. No, I'd imagine. And all that stuff's relatively close. I mean, the ballpark and the basketball arena are right by each other. The stadium, the the you know first energy or whatever it's called is in a slightly different spot but it's not too far i mean I, i've stayed in that flats area and uh there's a hotel there i like and there's a bunch of restaurants and bars and stuff i like down there and i can walk from there i've walked from there to the football stadium the basketball arena and to uh the baseball stadium yeah it's not a bad take for a sports yeah. weekend like if you go there like, no one really vacations in cleveland no. i i have because i do these wacky trips with my friends but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for, like, you know, a wild time, I don't think you're going to find that in Cleveland. But it's not bad for a couple of days, if you're, again, if you're doing, like, big sporting events. But, yeah, do that game tonight, Sarge, and then you go to the Pats game tomorrow. That's a nice little weekend then for you. And you, you do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if you've never done that. Uh, you get to also maybe go see uh, The House from a Christmas Story, where Ralphie was born. Go see that. That's a, that's a nice little take. A bad little weekend on the docket for Sarge or any other Pats fans going out there in Cleveland. I like those Rust Belt cities, Chris. There, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's great. Buffalo, you can have uh, <laughs> Baltimore. I would say, like a lot of those, uh, those, 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 you know, middling cities like that. They're not that bad. Even well, Cincinnati stinks, but yeah, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, not bad. Uh, let's go to uh, Johnny in Brooklyn. As we were talking Celtics in that prior segment, go ahead, Johnny. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Um, as you were talking about, I'm worried about the lack of size, and I wanted to ask uh, B-Rob. I saw, I think it was Houston that just waived uh, Derek Favors. I, I don't think Blake Griffin is the answer, and uh, I just am worried about their lack of size, worried about Al Horford, and I wanted to get his opinion if they're going to be in the market for anybody. And then as an aside, uh, just a Beasley Media Group, terrible decision on uh, our guy Christian Arcand. I, he was great. Anyway, you guys are also the, the best, so take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bye-bye. Johnny. Yeah, that Appreciate was uh, – still don't get it. And uh, we wish Christian well, and I hope he passes Absolutely. back Wildly quickly. Wildly yeah, Hopefully he ends up back in the industry as soon as possible. B-Rob, uh, Derek Favors, you think there'd be any interest on the behalf of the Celtics there? I'd say why not. Is he better than – Noah Vonley, probably. Yeah. So if he he's is. willing to come here. Um, and he's also maybe part of the OKC plan that worked so well for Al Horford <laughs> a year ago when he, he had the last half of last season off there. So maybe he gets some extra juice in the legs there. But yeah, for for a minimum contract, I would definitely try to bring him in here if he's open to it. B-Rob, what did you make of the story that, uh, well, so now the you have this, I think it's a regional cover of Sports Illustrated, and I don't know what's just now an online thing. I was trying to think, the last time I was in an airport, about a month ago, I don't remember seeing Sports Illustrated on the rack. Either way, cover of Sports Illustrated, whether it lives online or it still shows up on your doorstep, uh, has Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, uh, featured prominently the in the middle. Yeah, the franchise. The franchise. And the word is... Uh, is that both Tatum and Brown, it was initially supposed to be just those two on this cover. And they uh, they said, you know, 
Let's get ahead of this and let's invite Marcus. And I actually, I give them credit there. I'm also incredibly annoyed by it, but uh, they're smart to get ahead of this, I think. I'm 100% with you. Like, know what makes him happy. That's your point guard. He's not going anywhere. And, yeah, if that's if the, if you can save yourself from jealousy or whatever would have come out of that if Smart didn't get the acclaim there, that's, I think, great maturity by Jalen and Jason to, to have the awareness in that situation. Yeah, and, and I sort of you know, tie these seasons together in a way just because of the expectations. But I wonder if those guys learn from the 2018-19 experience when there was really sort of a fight for the wheel of the team and you have Jalen and Jason coming off leading the team to a seventh game of the Eastern Conference Finals and then Kyrie's back, Hayward's back, and that team just like never meshed. And I, I famously it was Marcus Morris saying that it's not fun you know, we're not having fun and we haven't had fun for a long time. And so, you know, I wonder if it's them sort of learning from that and saying we have to head off any potential in- issues of ego or jealousy or whatever at the pass and, and do that as quickly as possible. And-, and also, I think it's genuine affinity for smart. You know, I think those guys get along well off the court and there's a genuine sort of affinity there. But I thought there was a really interesting comment that Jalen Brown made in passing, you know, sort of joking when he and Marcus Smart were joking with each other at Celtics Media Day broadcast at NBC Sports Boston and Smart was kind of messing with him about doing the underwater workouts and saying, oh, you know, like I've done that. And Jalen was just sort of like, oh, yeah, you talk to Marcus, like he'll tell you he's the best in the world at anything. And it's like, (laughs) that's the truth. Yeah. You know, he's, he's just kind of joking and he said it with love, but it's like he knows the guy. He knows his guy. And so that's why Smart's on the cover. Yeah. Again, it's it's smart for you know on behalf of Tatum and Brown to know what they're dealing with here and say okay, there could be a potential jealousy issue, but it's it is annoying, isn't it? Like that. that oh, please. Because I mean, okay, so why preach you, it to the choir? Yeah, man. I, you get it. But like, while Tatum and Brown are obviously showing some you know re- real maturity there, making that decision, can't Marcus Smart also realize like his role one of these days? Please, no. The answer <laughs> no. is no. And, and and as long as the organization and look at the end of the day, if they win a championship, it doesn't really matter. All right, it doesn't really matter. It, it's it's sort of a personal thing for me, not personal against Marcus Smart, just personal from a standpoint of it. It just bothers me the idea that they have to um, constantly enable and kowtow to him to not be able to just sort of come to him with the reality of like, look, you're really important to us, which he is but you're on a level that's just below these other two guys. And it's like, he's insulted by that and they know it. And so they have to pretend that he's on the same level as them. And then they ask the rest of us to pretend that he's on the same level. And then sports illustrated has to pretend. And so it's just that part of it is, you know, that's the part that's tough. It's like incessant gaslighting on behalf of the team. It really is. Yes. It it is green team or gaslighting. And that's what it is. And it just, it's just so, it's just so distasteful to me, and it just it just bugs me to no end. But at the end of the day, if it gets the most out of him and it's what they need to do to win, then while I don't agree with it, I understand it. They're trying to put themselves in the best position to win. And it's, it goes with Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon should be starting, period. Now, whether he's Agreed. starting alongside Smart or instead of Smart, we can debate that. But he should be starting. He's a better player. But they're not going to do that. And that's okay. And Malcolm Brogdon's okay with that. And so everybody's good. But it's, it's again, it's like one of those things where it's like the idea of him being in the starting lineup and supplanting start, smart is like a complete non-starter. couple open lines you want to join us. Talk everything from uh, Pats, the quarterback situation. You got the zappy fever. You want Mac back. 
Uh, Celtics, as the season's going to start up on Tuesday, a couple open lines you want to join us. We'll get to your calls coming up next, 617-779-0985. That's an aberration, which I freely admit. It's Gasper and Murray. I'm drunk, you're gross, let's go. 98.5, the sports hub. With City Cruises by Hornblower, everything is better on the water. From sightseeing to fine dining, brilliant sunsets to lazy afternoons watching the skyline drift by. However you choose to cruise with us, book today at citycruises.com. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Chris Gasper. Oh my God. And Big Jim Murray. Give me fuel, give me fire. Give me that which I desire. It's Gasper and Murray. 98.5, the sports hub. Gasper and Murray, 98.5, a sports up to you. We go. Ryan on the couch, been hanging a bit here as we talked about uh, Dan Snyder and the comments made by Al Michaels during that wretched Thursday night game between Washington and Chicago on Thursday. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, this guy, Dan Snyder, he's got cat wagon photos. He's got the Robert Kraft massage parlor video or something like that to have this amount of power over these owners. And uh, just real quick, Brady showing up to that craft wedding with the open collar, you know that's straight doing time. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan. Yeah, that's what that's what I want to know. So, your, uh, your mic's not on there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I haven't seen the picture yet. Oh, it's trending. All- Go to New York Post.com. I think it's like the number one story on top of the New York Post. Yeah, but, but, it's, but it's Brady with the open collar? Yeah, you gotta, he's way in the back. I mean, there's this group photo. Okay. Uh, yeah, scroll down a little bit. New York Post.com. Surprise! Pat's owner marries and stars at a New York ceremony attended by Brady Elton John. Uh, so, yeah, in case you don't know yet, uh, Robert Kraft, new wife, uh, 47-year-old doctor that he's uh, been uh, dating for a while now, uh, married last night, and Tom Brady was in attendance. So it does feel like that relationship has been mended, and there he is, open collar in the back. As the caller said, straight doing time. That's right, now single. <laughs> Brady's showing up. Both the caller and the caller Yeah, said straight doing time. He's uh, you know mending fences with Robert Kraft and also scanning the room to say, uh, hey, you know, uh, I'm no longer with Giselle. Time for straight doing. Uh, what was the first thing that he brought up? Oh, Dan Snyder. Yeah, I looked at this. That uh, that that piece by, uh, uh, who was it? It was Seth Wickersham and others that put together on ESPN, yes. the big investigative piece. Like, those owners and Roger Goodell clearly want Snyder out. I don't know if your fans, uh, friends rather, with any fans of that team, Chris, they've, the the two that I have in my life, they've denounced them. Like, they don't care. I'll sometimes, like, I sent one of my, my buddy Ed that article, and he goes, I don't care about this anymore. And that's the worst place you can be as a sportsman. Like, you can, it's kind of fun to, like, hate your team yes. and hate watch. Yes. But when you have apathy or you've just said, I can't do uh, enough. Like, he's that bad of an owner. that I know people in my life, and I, I've heard this from others, that they were Washington fans, and then they just said, I, I, I'm not doing this to myself anymore. He's just such yes. a wretched human being. He's ruined the franchise. They're never going to be good. I'm good until he sells this team. And so, but it is funny. You read that thing, and it's just common sense, too. Like, these other owners, the 31, 
they're only mad because their bottom line started being affected. They don't care about like the the devious behavior because they're doing it themselves. And like the caller alluded to, I think that's why this hasn't been pushed further or they really truly haven't forced his hand to sell the team because what's he got on them? Because that's the other thing that they talk about in that piece is that there's this almost mutually assured destruction that you said earlier to use your term. Yeah. Like, like those owners really can't do anything because they know Dan Snyder would you know light them up because he's got something on them all. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and and I think that's sort of the the, the issue, and, and and it could just be posturing by Daniel Snyder because he knows that's the best way to keep his team. I don't know if he really has something or not, but the mutually assured destruction doctrine is sort of his best hope of keeping the team, basically saying, hey, guys, I know you don't like what's going on with my franchise, but it could get a lot worse for everybody in the league. That's, uh-huh. that's what he's reduced to, is, is threatening his business partners because he's so inept as an owner. Yeah, I didn't. In reading that too, what I didn't know, you had talked about what a st- that dump of a stadium it is, and I've oh, never it's been terrible. there. I didn't know that they, he had reduced the seating from like sixty to forty thousand. That's how little people care. And even if you, so they they bring up the Philly game where it was like eighty percent Eagles fans at that that home game that they had. Like no one yeah. cares about them anymore in that area. Well, which is a, crazy. I will say, yeah, th- th- there's a lot of apathy about the team. Um, the one thing Daniel Snyder got right is he did say, he's like, all my problems will be solved if we get a franchise quarterback. He's right, because the one year they had RG3 and he played like a franchise quarterback and Mike Shanahan was the coach, they made the playoffs. And I think that team underwent sort of a renaissance around there. So I think if people start winning again, they'll care. But because they're not a real contender and they hate the owner, people have sort of tuned them out. And the other thing on that stadium is that it's a tough commute. I mean, you know that that, that entire dmv area down there it's tough oh, i mean it's their, their traffic is brutal but it, it is a tough commute to get to landover and to get to that state i remember once i think it was with chris forsberg we stayed in georgetown you think it's hard to get to the station now we stayed at a hotel in georgetown in dc and tried to get out to that stadium holy crap i mean it was like it was like 90 minutes oh my god yeah uh that's 10 years ago by the way rg3 that's ten years ago this fall. Can you uh, believe? It's crazy. I don't want to hear that. No, I know. And uh, he's a good. He's a pretty good broadcaster. Though. He is. And uh, you know, as long as you get something to say, like don't hold back your opinions. Don't try to like. What I can't stand is when these former players or former coaches become broadcasters. And you can tell they're holding back because they're hoping for their next gig. Oh, like, yeah. With a team. That's or known. Like. That's known as the Jason Garrett or the Drew Brees. Yeah. Yeah, it's just terrible. Like, yeah, like open it up. You know, you don't have to necessarily like emulate Charles Barkley, but get pretty close. If you have an opinion, you know, let it fly. Anyway, I was fun. It's I was just talking to a buddy of mine who's a Vikings fan who was at that game that year where do you remember this play where it was almost like Vic against the Vikings in 03 where RG3 busted off like a 74 yard touchdown. He said it's the loudest the loudest sporting event he's ever been to when he busted off that run because he traveled for that game. Oh, wow. And said it was like the craziest thing ever. Like that guy really took over the league that year. And yeah. It's 10 years ago. And boy, he, what a flash in the pan. Busted his knee up in that playoff game. And that like that was it. Truly. Because that was a point where I remember being like, Oh, Dan Snyder doesn't deserve this, but he found the guy. Like, they're going to be off and yep. running now, and that was it. Like, busted up his that, knee in that playoff game. That season is always the example that I use when it comes to sort of debates about... A young quarterback? Yeah, or, or no, debates about, well, you know, it's really, when you look at it, you got to split the pie, like, evenly three ways for the Patriots' success. And I'm like, dude, Dan Snyder's the worst owner in sports he had a franchise quarterback for one season, and the team made the playoffs. Like, yeah. I rest my case. Franchise quarterback is the most important element you can have for a football team. It's more important than ownership. It's more important than the coach. John in New Hampshire. Uh, you're next here on Gaspar Murray. Hello, John. 
Hey, guys. Uh, you know, I've been out in New England since 07, but I'm born and raised in Cleveland, so I'm obviously a long-suffering fan, and I'm really even not even looking forward to the game tomorrow because you guys are going to wipe the floor with us. I mean, Miles Garrett has been living off his reputation as a rookie. I mean, look at his stats. Uh, he, he's, he's underperformed. He's only noted this year for bitching to the Browns fans when we you know, had one of the worst collapses in NFL history against the Jets, and he bitched about the fans booing when we rightfully had every reason to boo. Kevin Stefanski is the most overrated coach. He's a complete idiot. You could make the case that the best game the Browns have played in the last two years is when he was in the COVID basement and we beat the Steelers on the road in the playoff game. He's responsible for Joe Woods having a headset as a defensive coordinator, another complete freaking moron. I mean, wide receivers more open than a 7-11. The tackling is shoddy. There's game mismanagement. The Atlanta game was a great microcosm of how stupid Stefanski is. We get down to the one-yard line, and instead of running Chubb, Arguably one of the best running backs in the NFL, four times up the middle to get one yard and a touchdown. He brings in two offensive tackles who you know are called out to be eligible. There's a holding call. Now you're back at the 11 and you're kicking a field goal. It's idiocy upon idiocy. Even Cade York, who kicked that game-winning field goal in the first week to beat the Panthers, he missed a 43-yarder last week, and he missed a potential game-winner 53 yards wide right. So, I mean, now he's got the curse of Cleveland. It's just, it's as a Cleveland fan, you guys are going to come in and mop us up. It's just, it's embarrassing that we have this stagnation. We can't get a good coach. I know Belichick totally mishandled the Brady thing, but at the end of the day, the guy is still a damn good coach. Yes. I'll take a damn good coach against a moron any day of the week. So, unfortunately... You guys are going to mop us tomorrow. It just makes me sad as a Browns fan that I don't really know anything that's going to be that competitive. Thanks, John. I appreciate yeah, you sharing. That, was a great that call. is a Browns fan right yeah. here to a T. And that's why, because again, on paper, like I think both the Patriots and, and Browns are kind of equal in terms of talent. They're both middlers in the NFL now. The Browns are going to do Browns things. That guy just kind of summed it up, too. And not to mention the fact he didn't even get to, you know, in a few weeks, he has to swallow his pride and start rooting for uh, the Massage King of Houston, who's his new quarterback as well, who now has his 26th uh, civil lawsuit uh, placed against him yesterday when Deshaun, I'm uh, talking about Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, I kind of do feel a little bit bad for those guys, but I, I feel this, is like, I know the Browns are favored. Um, I just think, like the caller is mentioning here, the Browns are going to do Brownsy things tomorrow, like how the Lions did Lionsy things last Sunday when I didn't expect them to. And not that I felt like they were truly turned a corner, but I did believe in that, averaging 35 points a game. I'm no oh, believe- I thought they'd score some points, yeah. I'm no believer in golf, but I thought, look, there's a lot of talent there. Yeah. I thought they'd put up some kind of a fight. No, they, they, that, they there was Lions things you saw. I mean, Chris, they come out of a timeout. It's third and two. Now it's third and eight because of that stupid handoff that was almost fumbled. And then it's <laughs> sack, fumble, return for a touchdown. It was yeah. the, the microcosm uh, the, of all things Detroit How about going for it on that fourth and oh, nine? Oh, God. That's what, what I'm like, talking what about. What are That's you a, doing? Yeah, you morons. And so I kind of expect the same thing tomorrow with the Browns. I'm with the caller. I think the Patriots are probably going to win by like 20. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that, especially again when you look at sort of the quarterback situation there. Jacoby Brissett, I mean, he's done a he's a solid backup, but this is what the Patriots major in. They dismantle these middling quarterbacks. They make them look not as middlers. They make them look like they're some of the worst quarterbacks in the league. That this is what they've done. They did it last year. I think they'll do it again this year. It's, what this game comes down to, in my mind, for the Patriots is tackling. And Bill Belichick has said this. Because I have all the confidence in the world 
that Bill Belichick will put his players in a position to be able to stop Nick Chubb. But the thing that you see when you watch some of the Browns games, you go back and rewatch some of the, you know, the, the tape or whatever, is that there are guys so many times that are in a position to tackle him and he just runs right through him. Yeah. So that that's what this will come down to. How well do the Patriots tackle? Because I think they'll be in position to stop Nick Chubb. They'll load up to do it. They'll try and put the game in Brissett's hands. But you still got to tackle the guy. You still have to get him to the ground. But but you know what? The Patriots luck. He'll get injured on like his third carry. That's what I think. He'll be yeah. out of the game. Oh, you got to be aware of Nick Chubb. He'll pull a hamstring by like the the second play of the game. That call also sums up why I said it was my fifth and final point of my uh, Patriots travel travel guide to Cleveland. I'd tread lightly with the Browns fans if you're going there tomorrow. Uh, my experience with this, my friend's experience with this, back when they first uh, came back in '99. They're a they're a broken group, and when you're broken and you've lost all hope, you got nothing to lose. And so, if you get loud and actish in their stadium, you kind of reap what you sow. So I would I would be careful. My 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 buddy used this line. He went there in '99 when they came back, and the Patriots won like twenty to three or whatever. It was early in the third quarter, and cops came up to him and his buddies and said, "You need to start leaving now." And my friend goes, "What's well, the third quarter?" He goes, "Yeah, well, if you wait till the end, we can't protect you." <laughs> so, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So and they were being a bit obnoxious. So like, I just I would tread lightly. That's all. There's certain stadiums you go into, uh, the old vet. And I don't, that yeah. I've been to the link a few years ago. It's not as bad depending on where you're sitting. But Cleveland, yeah, I would just wear your hat. You sure wear your jersey? Just don't don't get loud and actors. Yeah, don't That's yeah, all I would don't say. say anything. You don't want to pull a Jim Murray solo at uh, Soldier Field, right? Yeah, that was not a good one. Twenty ten, that snow <laughs> game. All of a sudden, I realized where are my friends? And boy, was I a loud dick for most of that game. <laughs> and I felt like uh, you know the walls the, closing. The in. lions were circling. <laughs> I realized I need to get out of here before I end up clubbed like a seal, and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, open lines, you want to join us, 617-779-0985. Long commercial free segment coming up next. This is Gasper and Murray. Gasper and Murray on Boston's home for sports. 98.5, the Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Sounds like fact, not opinion to me. This uh, uh, uh. is Gasper and Murray on Boston's home for sports. 98.5, the sports hub. Carr raises the right leg, hands it off to Jacobs. Jacobs piling forward. They're not going to give it to him. They did not get it. They did not get it. The Raiders did not get the two-point conversion. Colin Saunders looks like he clogged the drain. Gasper Murray, 98.5, the sports hub. I wanted to revisit this, Chris. Let me guess. We're having problems with the computer again back there, B-Rub. Music, bed, music beds aren't firing. Will the headline bed fire in five minutes? Who's to, to find out. Oh, good. Uh, anyway, I very much enjoyed the failures of both uh, Josh McDaniels, the Raiders, uh, the nerd community on Sunday night. Why go for two points with four minutes on the clock and down by one? Why, why do that, you morons? Uh, but I, I, I so reveled in that because it was, it was just desserts. Because I, I have this, 
I've always felt this. Like, I, I hate the nerds anyway, but <laughs> this is truly a thing that going forward, because it's out of control in the NFL. Like, that was a day where you just saw it time and again, whether it was the Chargers, whether it was Vegas, whether it was the stupid Bengals uh, earlier in the day, or was that on the Thursday night game. Stop, stop, stop going forward and fourth down when it's not necessary. So when you go for it on fourth down in anything less than end of game, absolutely going to have it situations, or you're down and you're trying to pile up points so you can get back in the game, you deserve to fail 100% of the time. I will be rooting for your failure, and I will cheer when it happens. And wouldn't you know, that on Sunday night for Vegas failed, again, rightfully. They lost like they should have. And you still got people defending the decision. And this, the ethos of the nerd is what bothers me, Chris, especially when it comes to the NFL and these nerds that are infiltrating this sport <laughs> and ruining it just like they did baseball. Well, the math is right. It made sense to go for it. But it didn't work because the play was poorly executed. See, in other words, if it works, they're right. And if it fails, they're right. <laughs> and this is why I hate them to my core. They're, you, can't, you can't converse with these people. They're always right. The math was right. It made sense. Well, it didn't work. Well, the play was poorly executed. <laughs> so you're meaning to tell me you're always right? That's right. The math was right. Oh, I want to strangle them with the with the play, PlayStation Two cord, Chris. Stop. That's another thing that makes us seem old is controllers with cords. Yeah, right. <laughs> what, what are you talking what are you about, talking man? About? Why does it have a cord? Controllers are wireless. You don't know. <laughs> it was better in our day. <laughs> this is this is. I'm not wrong. It's gotten out of control, right? Like this. Oh no! Way, in the NFL, just all of it. Just, just. I, I mean, it's just really this weird sort of iconoclastic. Uh, bad of decision making where you're like okay you're just really going against the grain why like i still no one has still explained to me what was the positive outcome what was the rationale behind josh mcdaniels at the chiefs in arrowhead with patrick mahomes on the other side why was the risk worth the reward i still don't get it with four minutes to go what i don't understand uh, no i don't either just I, take I, the tie I, yeah right and so it may, I just, I don't understand it. So what, you're going to put more pressure on Mahomes? But again, there's four minutes left. He needs a field goal either way. What's the difference? Yeah. And so you did stop them. So you would have went to overtime where you still have a chance to win the game. Or I, I don't. I don't it, get it. it. I don't either. And, and, and the one that might have been the most egregious was the Chargers decision yes. uh, by Brandon Staley. Yes. Who, Fourth and one at their own 46 with 113 to go and a two-point lead. A decision that had one of Brandon Staley's players, the injured Keenan Allen, at home on his couch, Chris. I don't know if you saw this. I did. Live tweeting saying, basically, what are we doing? What the hell are we doing? These play- that, So that was my point. I, the, I think the players have lost. They've had it with this. You had Marcus Peters go off on John Harbaugh on the sideline. You have Keenan Allen go off on social media on Brandon Staley, who's the worst at this. This clown's going to get fired. I mean, there's no qu- I mean, he's just wasting a super talented team. And and as the Browns caller we had earlier said, uh, Cade York missed that game-winning field goal. But if he makes that, obviously the Chargers lose that game. Right. And people are like, Brandon Staley done it again, just like he fourth down them out of a playoff spot last year. I mean, that's really sort of what happened to their season. So I, I don't understand where this is going. I mean, I, I, I literally feel like you have NFL coaches who are no different from fans or and you know, data analysts who basically are constantly refreshing win probability and then making their, oh, like, you know, okay, so if we do this, 
our win probability for the rest of the game is 84% versus 78%. Refresh. It's like us trying to get to the studio. You know, refresh, yes. recalculating, yes. recalculating, recalculating. Oh, I should go for it. It's like, no, read the room. What about situational football? Make a decision. How's your team playing that day? Do you have a play you feel good about? What about the other side? How have they defended you in a goal line situation? What's going on? You know, if you're Brandon Staley and you look at the Browns, again, what does this team do best? They run the ball. We punt from our own 46. We bury them deep. They can't run with a minute. You know, the clock will run down. So what, a minute left? They can't run and get in field goal range. We we just have to stop Jacoby Brissett. There's all these other factors that you have to take into account that I feel like coaches aren't taking into account anymore. They're just hitting refresh on win probability. If the analytics, especially with Brandon Staley, if the analytics say that he's going to be right more than wrong, why is he wrong more than he's right? You know, like this, it, that's a guy too. Like he should be on the hot seat. And if you're some of those players, you're like, you know, we have high expectations this year, a lot of talent. Like his decisions are ultimately going to cost us games. And that's where it's going to cost him his job. I just, I have a real issue with this because the nerds ruin baseball. Don't ruin my football, please. The, that this is becoming a thing where these, these coaches are essentially like, you know, you're just waiting for the data. You're waiting for the printout. Like, this is what happened with baseball managers. I, I can't. I can't. I won't. Like, you can't do this to football, you a-holes. Well, the other thing I would say, and I'm I'm not as much against the nerds as you. Like, I think information is good, and I like information. I think you can use information. To a point. Well, you can use it to make good decisions, right? But you can't become completely – you can't become slaves to win probability, which is what's happening with a lot of these coaches. But – the thing is, a lot of these decisions, like when you break down anything in terms of, uh, you know, ma- mathematics or statistics or probability, a lot of it is based on a sample size. It's like, okay, out of 100 times if I do this. But the problem with football is it's a small sample size sport. Right. There's 17 games. So what might play out and be to your benefit if there were 50 games or 100 games, you'd come out on the plus side the same way you do in like say the stock market which is really what all this stuff is based upon it's the infiltration of sort of stock market analytics into professional sports yes it would benefit you over the long haul the problem is the sample size in football is not large enough to use this stuff all right you want to weigh in on that pro nerd anti-nerd let's hear from you 617-779-0985 i think it's going to ruin football and it's a real problem for me if you can't tell 617-779-0985 headlines here no commercials and then uh, we'll reset some thoughts on the Patriots-Browns tomorrow. we going to get a game? Can we get a game, please? Uh, come join us here on Gaspar and Murray.